Welcome to the latest edition of the Tech UK podcast, and we are delighted to be kicking off a new podcast series called The Reskilling Imperative, powered by Salesforce. This four episode series will explore a range of issues relating to the digital skills gap, including how we can ensure that the UK workforce has the skills necessary to meet the workplace of today and the future. We'll also be looking at how tech companies can develop an inclusive workforce and support those from underrepresented and marginalized communities, and how business leaders can support upskilling of their current workforce. I'm Nimi Patel, and on today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Spearing, EMEA, Field CTO, and Senior Vice President, Solution Consulting, UK and Ireland of Salesforce, to explore the skills gap and how we can tackle some of the challenges and help ensure a workforce with the specialist skills required to thrive in a digital economy. Welcome, Adam. Before we get into the discussion, it would be great if you could give us a bit of background about your career and your role at Salesforce. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Nimi. And I'm delighted to be here and welcome everybody who's listening. Um, so, yeah, I've been in the software industry since the early 90s, and uh, I kind of consider myself a veteran of the industry. Um, I've worked for big companies such as Hewlett Packard, IBM and Sun Microsystems, and I've also done a few startups on the journey as well. Um, I've been here at uh, Salesforce for just over 10 years, and I sit on the UK leadership team as well. So uh, it's certainly plenty to keep me busy at Salesforce. Fantastic. Sounds like an incredibly busy life. Um, so just jumping straight in, the digital skills gap has been an ongoing conversation in the tech space. What are some of the key concerns and focus areas for Salesforce? Why does this matter to you now? Yeah, I, and I think this is it's just so topical at the moment. It's always been an issue we've been kind of aware of, but I think the the way the pandemic has has accelerated a lot of things really has brought this up from a an issue to, you know, I would say, getting close to a crisis. Um, the pandemic has highlighted the need for both hard digital skills, but also the soft skills we need in the in the workplace um, and, the, and the digital know-how. And I was telling somebody that recently I took my car in for a service and, and what I would have called back in the early 90s the mechanic, I actually get a video through on my phone in my email showing the inspection they've just done on my vehicle. Now, that's using digital skills in a role that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of many years ago. Um, so I think that, that we all know it's happening. Um, there was a recent uh, global survey I read from McKinsey showing that 90% of executives are experiencing skills gaps in the workforce and certainly expect to. Um, and, and we've got to kind of balance that with the current workforce and the future workforce as well, because the current workforce have different needs and requirements, whereas when we look at the young workforce, you know, they might be more comfortable with technology, but, you know, they're used to gaming and texting and streaming and messaging all at the same time. And somehow we've got to bring all of these skills together and cross fertilize. And that that's a, a, a key requirement for all of us. And um, as I look around businesses and companies that we talk to, um, certainly for ourselves and all of our customers and everybody I speak to, this is becoming uh, something we all have a duty and a care and a responsibility to do. You know, we need to be able to hire from 
um, hugely diverse backgrounds. I was just talking to somebody from one of our customers and the programs they're looking at are, are breaking that classic traditional mold of just looking at certain people from certain universities and saying, actually, digital skills are available to everybody. How do we have a more inclusive workforce um, and a more diverse workforce? Because everybody can participate in this. So, you know, here at Salesforce, we alone know that we will generate 143,000 jobs. Yeah, that was 1,000 jobs in the UK in our in our ecosystem by 2024. And, and you scale that up and the numbers are quite mind boggling. So it's really important that we, we get on top of this now. As I say, it's moved from being, a, you know, everybody could mine the gap. Now this is a this is a pressing imperative and, and a, becoming a crisis, frankly. That's an absolutely phenomenal number of jobs. Um, do you think you'll have the skills and the talent needed to to fit those roles? So, you know, part of that is people who will come and work for us. We have uh, the success of our customer organizations drive the demand for our skills and our partner organizations, both uh, implementation type partners, but also we have a wealth of independent software companies who build their business around what we do as well. And um, at the moment, as I look at things, I, I see that gap. We we have plans in place to say, how do we address that gap? How do we how do we not only it's not only about helping us with our employees, but it's how do we help that entire ecosystem? How do we skill? How do we attract? How do we bring people in? And and it's bizarre because we sit in this weird uh, kind of cross section of on one side. Um, lots of people looking for jobs, lots of people's roles becoming redundant or changing. And on the other side, I'm sitting here saying us in the tech industry and you know, Salesforce is one example, but us in the tech industry saying, oh, my God, we need all you people. We've got all of these opportunities and we've got all of this resource. How do we bring the two together? And I think that's kind of partly every organization's responsibility is to bring those people into the workforce, but also to reskill the current people. You know, if you look at jobs today, most people in three years time, the way that organizations are changing through transformation, which we can talk about in a moment, means the skills they need in three years time are not necessarily, uh, they need different skills. They need to expand those skills. And they're not necessarily hard technology skills, even the ability to use the mediums that we're working in at the moment every day remotely for those of us that are privileged enough to be able to do so. You know, it requires a bit of skill to move between this zooming message system to a, a hangout system to a, those are digital skills. So I think it's 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 an imperative that we can't solve on our own. It needs all organizations. It needs the tech industry to to lead as a, as a group. It needs all organizations to think seriously about what skills they need and put plans in place to address those. And we need government to come with us on this journey as well, which, you know, we can see the start of those some really good initiatives coming out. But now, 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 not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Today is when we need this to happen. Yeah, I'm really hearing the sense of urgency, but it also is fantastic that you have a robust talent strategy. You previously mentioned sort of the impact of digital technologies on young people. Do you think young people are prepared for the workplace of tomorrow? Um, do I think they're prepared for that? <laughs> not to the sufficient level they need to be? I, I do worry, and I was listening to some commentary um, from a colleague the other week um, around the way we are teaching technology in schools doesn't necessarily map into how we operate and work in the workplace today. I think what young people are acquiring is a superpower they don't understand or they're not aware of just how clever it is. And that that is that ability to be really comfortable with the technology. You know, 
we, we do need developers and programmers and people and architects and people who do really deep, clever, deep technical stuff. But there's a whole wealth of other roles we need in the technology sector that are available to everybody. You know, whether you whether you worked in in uh, whether you aspire to work in the travel industry or the retail industry or the hospitality industry. And when I look at young people coming through, and I'm talking, you know, 14, 16, 18, 20 year olds, you have a natural. You've you've been brought up with the iPhone, right? You've been brought up with swiping left and right and up and down. And that familiarity gives you a certain advantage, but you've got to learn how to harness that and write that, you know, think about if I was a young person today and I'd be writing down, well, what skills have I got that are portable that I've acquired? And and just because you're great on the Xbox, that's a skill, right? Being conversant with multi-screening at the same time. Some people struggle with that. So I think young people today have more skills than they realize. I think they need to think about the formal skills they need to acquire, and we need to show them the paths through which they can go, whether they are deep, cody, techy types, or whether they are light touch type people who want to get into the technology sector. The jobs are here, the paths are here, and we just need to make those connections and bring them on that journey. And in my organization within Salesforce, you know, we look for coachable talent. We, we've gone through a process of looking at our job descriptions and, and instead of saying must have 10 years experience and, you know, climbed Everest and Kilimanjaro in one week, we now say, are these people coachable? How do we remove not just gender bias and, and, and ethnicity bias, but how do we move, remove the bias around skills and experience to make these broader for everybody? And I'd encourage every organisation to look at their, how they post their jobs and roles in a similar way. So what you're saying is that we really need to get better at communicating the opportunities that are available, not just for young people, but I guess for for everyone that exists in the sector. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this isn't a question of, well, all you young people can come in and all you people have been doing it a little while need to move off somewhere else. No, this is about this is about growth. Right. This is about we need that talent to come into the workforce. We equally we need the, the workforce that we currently have to keep constantly improving investing in yourself. Now, that could be through a formal program, a formal training, using formal budgets that are available, but even just taking half an hour out on your week to go and look at something like our trailhead, which is a a free-to-air learning technology that we built for ourselves. Because we're a big organization, we struggle to how do we keep everybody's skills up. So we built this thing, thought, wow, this is a bit too cool not to share. So we, we give it away free. So anybody can go and sign up and you can learn hard skills, programming and all those deep things. But you can learn soft skills as well. You can learn about how to do presentations and how and other business subjects like GDPR regulations. So invest in yourself. You don't have to spend huge amounts of money, whatever your stage you're at in your career, and make sure your skills are contemporary for the future of where the the world is going, right? The world is moving more and more digital all the time. Every company, every organization that's forward-looking is 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 putting digital as a priority on their on their on their programs and plans. What channels are there for young people to get into technology organizations? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there are lots of different ways, right? We we at Salesforce set up an apprenticeship program a few years ago because we recognise the need to do this, and and our apprenticeship program is focused on bringing people into the Salesforce workforce 
um, who wouldn't get the opportunity to get to university, right? Very deliberately because of our our, our equality uh, values in, inside the organisation. And what, what's interestingly that's happened is as we've looked at that programme and we've now grown it, it's now three times as big as it was when we started and, and it's got a phenomenal trajectory of growth going as well. Um, we also realised that working with our partners and various organisations like LDN, for example, um, and, and QA and many, many, many others that I can't list all of them here, they're building similar apprenticeship programmes that connect uh, individuals to the workplace as well and and I was just talking with with somebody who who they've used one of those programs because their current hiring uh, hierarchies meant that they had to hire people with you know from a certain number of universities with certain qualifications and this gave them the opportunity to bring them into the workplace a very diverse pool who are actually on apprenticeships with one of these organizations and the benefit for the individual is you get on one of those programs you're being paid you're learning you're you're, you're starting your career and you've got this flexibility of it's what we used to call many years ago uh, kind of like a, a, a day release but nowadays you're able to do that and in the context of living in the company. So rather than being in the educational establishment, spending a little time in the company, you're in the company spending time in the educational establishment. And that way you can balance that that need to, to generate income with your learning as you progress. And at the end of those our three-year apprenticeship program, we have individuals who have not only uh, achieved their, their qualification, they've been paid very well through it, they've delivered value to us. Um, and that, that kind of program is rolling out not just in what we do and how we structure it, we're working with those partners to structure a broader uh, opportunity for apprenticeships across the whole of the UK economy. And again, it's not just about people in one city. This You could be in any city. You could be anywhere or any country, town or, or village. I don't really care. Um, it's just having that opportunity to be able to, to, to find a role, find a job, learn your trade in the world of digital at the same time. Thank you. It's important to discuss the work that Salesforce is doing to boost socioeconomic diversity in the UK. I think that's really key going forward. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that businesses are facing due to this need for a more digitally skilled workforce? Yeah, so what we have seen is this acceleration, right? We know that digitally advanced companies have fared better during the pandemic than those that were less digitally advanced. And that means that the digital programs are at the top of the priority list. So every organization, whether you are, like I said earlier, whether you're a bank, whether you're a, a retailer, whatever industry within, if you don't believe that you are a digital organization, then you're, you're missing the future and where, where we're all going. So I think part of the challenges is that recognition that we that actually I'm a digital company. I need digital skills. It's not just about how we've always done things. Um, I think you need to look at those operating models how people actually work. You know, what, what we've done historically is set organizations up with these silos into different business functions. And actually, how we organize ourselves needs to change as well. And the skills that we need when we're organized differently um, needs to be really looked at. So I think there is just so many uh, aspects of this. ICT, computing technology, isn't the, the preserve of the IT department or the IT team, right? It's actually a responsibility of every business unit, of every function, whether you're in finance or marketing or sales or whatever that happens to be. 
um, you need to have digital skills, differing degrees of digital skills and different types of digital skills. Um, but that's why I think that that challenge needs to be embraced rather than ignored or pushed into the long grass. So the partners that you work with and your client base, do you think that throughout the pandemic, there's been a sort of forced digital transformation? Um, I don't think the transformation has been forced. I think uh, within every industry, you get leaders and, and, and companies that lead their industry. And I think what we've seen is that the leaders were the ones who are most digitally advanced. You know, I know examples of cus great customers of ours who are high street retail names who because they were on the front foot, because they were ready, because they were prepared, were able to meet their sales targets despite closing all of their high street stores because they pivoted very quickly. And, and when you really embrace, really embrace digital, don't just move the old stuff you've done into and call it digital. When you really embrace it, you do get organizations that are much more agile and you need those skills to be agile as well. So I, I don't think this has been a surprise or, or any resistance to it. I think it's been a, a wake-up call for those that were kind of kicking those transformations into the long grass. Um, you know, we've got examples of organisations who uh, who were planning to do this next year and the year after. And what they've done is they've gone through their boards and budgeting rounds have said, actually, the ones that are going to survive is these digital programmes and transformations. Well, you've got to put alongside those the skills to support those, because if you don't, you're going to you're not going to achieve the objectives that you fantastic. Set. Thank you. And how can businesses help make digital opportunities accessible to everyone? Yeah, so you know, despite the we've seen this downturn clearly through this pandemic, I think what we're starting to see is, is fantastic opportunity for UK and Ireland PLCs, if you like. Um, we see uh, the Institute of Chartered Personal Development saying 56 percent of businesses are planning to hire in the coming months. So clearly everybody's feeling that sense. I think everybody needs to think about the industry that they want to work in, right? As I've said earlier, tech companies aren't just for techies. We're not all coders. There's opportunities there. But equally, if you want to go into another industry, like my example of the mechanic, you know, if you want to, if that is the career you wish to pursue, don't just think about, I need to know how to, you know, cars are so complicated nowadays, you need to be technically savvy just to connect to the things. But think about what are the other skills I'm going to be able to bring to, to, to that, uh, to those roles. And, you know, coachable talent is really important. There are, there are lots of opportunities out there for people to skill themselves and get themselves prepared for those roles, ready to apply for them. Right. Don't get to a, see a, an application and say, right, I'm going to apply for that. And I'll assume I'll get all the training and skills I need. You can do things now to get yourself ready and put yourself in a position to be just a no brainer hire for, for those organizations, whether you are new and coming into the workforce or maybe you want to transfer to a different industry than you've worked in previously. So you know, businesses have a responsibility to to provide those those what we call them learning paths, learning journeys. So, you know, you start at one point and you have opportunity to develop. And self-development, I think, is critical. But individuals have a responsibility for their own learning journey, whether they're within a company, you know, your own development plan, or your career development plan. You are responsible for that. You've got to take that, that opportunity and, and, and grasp it with both hands. Yeah, those learning pathways are, you know, or trails, as you call them, are 
fantastic ways in which to highlight what is already out there. But what do we do? And, you know, I say we as in the tech industry, but also we can bring government into this as well. What can we do to target the people who say are less motivated to learn digital skills? Yeah, and I think this is uh, the motivation. Not everybody's going to want to do this, right? And, and, and that's cool. Um, I get that. I think what we do have to do is make allow people to make an active decision rather than a passive assumption, right? And the, the passive assumption I see happening today is, oh, it's a tech company or oh, it's a tech role. Oh, I couldn't do that. And that's nonsense. I think people need to be able to give it a try. And that's why and that's partly why we love to see come, people coming onto the trailhead environment is just to, to, to put a toe in the water, to have a go. There's no there's no uh, there's no nobody looking over your shoulder. It's not like sitting in a classroom or everybody's judging whether you've got your homework in or time or not. You know, have a little try, have a play. I, I have been blown away by the number of people I've spoken to who have said, I didn't think it was for me. I've had a go and oh my god look at what i've achieved and i'll give you two examples um within within our world so um i was talking to somebody in in, in new york recently and and they uh they were a, a skilled chef they trained in that, that that field and and the pandemic hit so they thought i don't want to do this anymore they found the opportunity through our trailhead environment and they've now gone into a totally different direction with their career because of because of that opportunity and here in the uk you know we've got great customers of ours and there's a particular bank who who there was an individual who their branch was going to close didn't know what they wanted to do they were relatively young well, very young and so they used that to say actually i'm going to go and give this a try and i'll, I'll experiment and oh actually it's a lot easier than i thought it was there's no great big mystique behind this and and now they've, they've transitioned to working within the technology group within that organization so it's not that because you haven't had a formal techie training or you've got a degree in engineering or computing is not a, a barrier to entry attitude is the only barrier to entry so give it a go give it a go and even if you try it and you look at you know our, ourselves or other organizations what you learn will be a portable skill you can apply if you do say right i want to be in the hospitality industry i mean how much on booking now happens through through these digital mediums whether you turn up and you're checked in through a digital medium so you will be increasing your skills in this digital footprint whatever you do but just try it try it please and so what do you think are the top two or three essential activities businesses should be undertaking to address the digital skills gap so i think number one every organization should be looking at the at the, the, the talent they have in the organization to, today and having a strategic program to plan how they upskill the teams that they have every every and that goes from executives right the way down to every manager looking at the team I've got, the five, six, eight people that work for me, what are the skills they each have? What is it they need to do their roles? And how am I going to help them and afford them the opportunities to make sure their skills stay concurrent? Because their knowledge of what they do is critically important. And if I can match that with the skills, I've got the beginning of my workforce of the future. The second thing I think all organizations need to do is seriously think about um, what do we want to look like in the future who what skills do we want to bring in how do we and I, and I use that analogy again pivot to coachable talent not been there seen there done it for 20 years types now you, you need a degree of those I absolutely agree that experience is critical but there's a wealth of, of that other aspect of diversity that I think we are missing which is those young skills that are really hungry and and 
passionate and keen and will apply themselves and have these sponge minds that will learn very quickly. So how are you going to bring those into the workforce, match them alongside your current workforce to grow your organisations? And then the last area, I think, is looking at how whatever size of organisation you are, how you can help steer UK and Ireland PLC into the future as well. What influence can you have on your industry bodies or your your government uh, lobbying presence to help them understand how they can adjust the education system to be able to help these young people get into the workplace as well? So those are the three things I would say. Thank you. And I really appreciate the fact that you are working very closely to support young people, considering they've been disadvantaged throughout the pandemic. Um, the Resolution Foundation that two the Resolution Foundation found that two thirds of those who are furloughed at the beginning of the first lockdown were under the age of 25. Um, at Tech UK, we do a lot of work with people who are returning to work after a career break, um, maternity, paternity, sort of caring duties. Are you looking at alternative talent pools or, um, you know, I shouldn't say alternative, just normal talent pools now? Oh, absolutely. And 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 this isn't this whole program is about let's put our our arms around everybody who wants to be in the workplace. Right. And some people want to be full time. Somebody want to part time. Some people have other responsibilities that mean they can't work full time or they don't want to or whatever. And and, you know, I love working with Heather Black at Supermums. We have programs where we are taking mothers who wish to return to the workplace after a career break and a very valuable role that they play in doing that in the very first place for the future of the world. But giving them the opportunity equally, we have programs where we're looking at vets and how we bring them back into the workplace as they transition. And in fact, within my business, I have a uh, in my business plan, which is available to all employees in Salesforce. It very clearly says I want one third of the talent to ha that we bring in each year. And we hire a lot of people in, in my team to have less than two years experience in doing what we do. And within that, I have earmarked a dedicated uh, group that I want to bring in through those other channels as well. So, you know, you have to look holistically at the entire available workforce and not just fish within one very narrow gene pool, but actually think, how am I relevant to somebody who wants to work part time or who is coming out of the military or is returning to work? And how do I uh, provide equity? right? Not equality, equity. Because if I'm returning to work, I probably need a few other extra things to brush up on and I bring different skills. If I'm coming out of the military, I bring some incredible skills that, that, that you don't find elsewhere, but I need maybe some other skills to add to it. So equity to those roles and then providing the opportunity is how we can create a, a richer um, environment. And frankly, there's nothing more exciting than working with a diverse team of people because the ideas and you get your brains firing and your synapses rolling when you get this these people into the workplace. So, you know, that that's why I think this is just such an imperative. It's great to hear that Salesforce are really providing opportunities for people across, you know, at any age level, at any skill level. Um, what you recently you recently joined the Fast Forward for Digital Jobs Task Force that Tech UK has coordinated. Why is it important for Salesforce to join this kind of initiative? And what are some of the other initiatives that you are supporting? Yeah, so this is really important. And the session that we did uh, positioning the paper and the research work we've done, I think, gives uh, some very clear uh, cross industry narrative on how we can help practical steps we can take right now to help address this. And, and the reason that we, we, we love doing this with you is 
um, because it's industry cross it's across industry you know we compete with each other of course we do that's what that's what technology company every company has competition but we see such a big challenge and only together can we see a way to to, to address this so that's why it's important i mean you know if you look at our trailhead platform we've seen 40% more people come to that platform since March 2020. So we know there's this demand. Now, that doesn't mean all of those people are going to end up coming and, and working in the Salesforce ecosystem. That broader ecosystem of other technology partners is critical. But I do think if we look out and we think about this as a global opportunity for, for the whole of our, 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 our economies, we have an opportunity to upskill the entire UK and Ireland workforce such that we can be a global player of technology skills. Because this, this gap doesn't just exist here in, in, in England and, and in Ireland, that gap exists globally. And I see no reason why through this programme we can't elevate all of that and increase GDP for both economies significantly and be a net importer of of, of jobs into the economy, even though, you know, the work might be being done in other countries as well. So there is just a phenomenal chance. And now is the time to do it. We're readjusting how we allocate our budgets because of the pandemic. We've got this opportunity. And if we can bring those together and just adjust how we invest, I think we can make a real difference to the next 10, 20, 30 years, the direction um, of both those economies for the UK and for Ireland as well. And what has the intensification of competition of talent meant for Salesforce? Um, well, it's meant that we, uh, we, we, we're very careful on who we bring into our organisation, as, as are, are, are most companies. And I think um, what we're finding is that we've surprised ourselves that by opening the doors to a broader, uh, I'll use the word congregation, but a broader opportunity, what we have found is that where we thought we had particular pinch points, by thinking more broadly, we've actually found, oh, my God, there's so much more talent. And yes, it hasn't got, you know, it's, if, if we were to look through, through for A, B, C, D, E, F and G on the list, if we say, well, actually, what's really important is A, B and C and we can teach them D to G by doing that and looking, we're bringing people in. And um, one of the apprentices in, in my business um, was working on a project for a very, very, very prestigious client and was due to go on to his next piece of his rotation. And, and the customer and the, the teams working on it said, no, 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 please, can you stay for a bit longer? Because at 18 years old, the work they were doing was extraordinary. And because they brought that different thought process, we were teaching them the hard skills. They're bringing a lot of those soft skills and they're, they're, they're just doing some extraordinary work. So you know, that for me has been eye-opening in, in, in lift your head, look further, think broader, be more inclusive. And there are amazing people out there who would never have got that opportunity otherwise. Um, and that, that for me is critical for everybody. Adam, what happens if we don't act now? Well, if we don't act now, what, what will happen is the gap has become a crisis, will become an urgent need. And, and I think you will find... Uh, organizations that can afford to acquire the talent will have to do so at the cost of other organizations. Um, so I think you know, if I'm running any business in the UK, to you want to run this, it's, it's, it's like a supply chain, right? We've got supply and demand. At the moment, demand is, is way outstripping supply. I think there is a huge pool of supply that we haven't tapped into. If we can unlock that, then we can equalise the supply and demand. If we can't, then I worry that the demand will continue to accelerate and the supply will remain flat. 
and, and everybody knows the implications of, of shortage of supply. So I think it's it's beholden on all of us to avoid that because ultimately that leads on to higher prices and, and costs for the customers, the consumers, which is not what we all want to do. We want to serve the consumers and provide the best customer experience that we can. That's our that's our raison d'etre at Salesforce. Um, and so I think it's really, really, really important that this topic doesn't get swept under the carpet, doesn't get taken off the top of the agenda, that it remains right up there because this is a strategic imperative um, for every organisation and for, 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 for governments as well. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining us for this first episode of this special series on the reskilling imperative powered by Salesforce. We're looking forward to hearing more about the issue in upcoming episodes. Thank you.